0: receive the word of God. father in heaven as we as we have left everything outside we've we've left all the things that we got to do today and this week outside because we come into these courts to praise you to worship you to give you thanks for who and what you are for what you've done with your son and your spirit and your word that you've given to us and so father at this time we we praise you we want to worship you. We want to see what your word has to say to us. And Father, I just pray that each and every soul that is here that you will bless them with your word. I pray that the Spirit of God will allow them to see, to understand how marvelous and awesome of a God we serve and how, how great the angelic conflict is but also how great is the lord jesus christ and what he did for us and what he does for us each and every day may we take this to heart father and then may we give you all thanks all glory and all honor for what we're about to study as we worship you in jesus name amen Oh Zachariah chapter 3 if you want to turn there we've been we've been focused on him last couple of weeks in chapter 1 and 2 like we was just talking about with with uh, the pictures and the wall of fire last week and the rider on the red horse the week before who who never forsook his people even when they were in the valley and everything was going wrong we found out that he was still there with with all of his angelic forces they were going to and fro, keeping up with what the devil was trying to do and to bring against his people. And um, I want to lay a little groundwork while you're turning to Zechariah chapter three. When it hit Matthew, go back one. Malachi, go back one more, and right there you're in Zechariah. But I got to give you the history of why we're even in Zechariah and why Zechariah was writing. For you see, he was a prophet of God to that nation, and they were in captivity. They had been in captivity for 70 years because of not following the the word of God and following in his ways. That 70 years of captivity was now coming to an end. They they were repenting. Daniel had read from the prophet Jeremiah that it was going to be a 70-year captivity, and he began praying. and, And then the angel came to him. He said, man, we heard your word the first thing, but for 21 days that the the prince of persia came out and he stopped me he didn't want these prayers to come through and come back to you but the word of god is is that you're blessed and that that this is going to come to an end because and tell the people to continue praying to repent and and that this is going to come to an end and so what happens though why they were even in captivity is god lists in his word in and it was on our berean chapters there in his word in leviticus 26 and deuteronomy 28 if you want to write those down god gives an outline for history for nations that are his client nation see israel and judah israel got taken away earlier judah has left the southern kingdom and now they've went into captivity why because god's word When Moses was there and getting ready for them to go into the promised land, he said, as you go into this promised land, you're going to start stumbling a little bit. But what I want you to know is is that at any point during this time, if you repent and come back to me, then I will come back to you. But what God does, like a father does in raising a child, they, they discipline the children if they get out of line for their own good. So that they will come back into step and not get themselves into trouble that way. So the Lord gives five cycles of discipline so that you will know that it's from him. And that these things are designed to bring us back to him. Not to hurt us but to bring us back. But we are so hard headed that there has to be five cycles because we don't get it. And we want to keep doing what we want to do. And so those are listed here on on the next one. Uh, Leviticus 26 I'm only going to go very quickly with the snippet and that's why I put the two chapters for you to read this week in Deuteronomy 28 Leviticus 26 and it says that the first cycle of discipline I hope that you can see that it looks really good on a computer screen when I put them on there but in Leviticus 26 verses 14 through 17 the first cycle of discipline is noted as this it involves bad health for the land that the Lord will begin sending things that causes a bad health throughout the land because my people stopped listening to me and closed their ears to the word of God and rejected his ways. And the word of God then says in the next section on verses 18 through 20, that if you do not hearken unto that, when that starts coming through the land, if you don't begin to listen to that, he says, then I will crank up the heat on you a little bit, seven times more on that, And I will add something else. When you refuse and you don't return, now I'm going to not only discipline you with with health, but I'm going to start disciplining you with economics. And things are going to start going bad. You might see inflation coming up. You're going to see problems. Money's going to get tighter. And God said, that's step number two. So now I've given you some health issues and I've given you some economic issues if you still do not repent then cycle three has to kick in and that's in leviticus 26 uh 21 and 22 if you if that didn't cause you to repent then i will crank it up even seven times more harder on you again and this time uh i'm going to bring a little bit of crime and fear and terrorism into your land and you will begin to see that in your streets and on your news and if you do not repent, but you continue to flaunt your ways against God, then he says, I will crank that up in the fourth cycle even more. And then what happens in the fourth cycle is you will see that a nation that refused to return to God will begin having wars, it will begin having conflict with other nations because God is going to use others to bring it down it happened three times the the first time was with the the northern tribe of Israel in the in 700 and some BC the second time it was in 586 with Judah that was right here in the time of Daniel and then the last time was in AD seventy when the temple after Jesus death burial and resurrection 40 years later the temple was completely destroyed as he said there was not one stone left upon another because they had rejected god and god's way but at the time of christ they were in that fourth cycle of discipline that god had described for him because if you'll remember who was really in charge it wasn't israel was it they were under the rule of who rome. rome they were under roman rule and you remember they couldn't do anything they had to appeal to caesar uh they the 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 uh, Sanhedrin and the high priest had to take Christ to Pilate because Rome was in power. You still have a semblance of your own uh, nation because they were still allowing them to worship. They were still allowing the Sanhedrin to operate, but only under their sur- supervision and under their thumb. And if they got out of line, then Rome would come and do something about it. That's the fourth cycle of discipline. When they still rejected Christ, when they still rejected god's way after everything they'd done they had said let let the kids blood and our blood be upon their hands it did and when the nation still doesn't listen and return to god then the fifth cycle comes and what happens in the fifth cycle is like when the temple not one stone left upon another the the invading enemy comes in and completely destroys everything and the people are scattered and the jewish nation was not for all of those years until the early part of the 19th century, about 72 years ago, uh, is when Israel started reforming again. So that's the five cycles of discipline. But any time during that time uh, of those five cycles, the Lord says in uh, Leviticus 26 it'll, and 36, it'll be so bad for those who are left in that fifth cycle of discipline i will send faintness to your hearts in the land your enemies will have you so scared that even when a leaf blows you will think you are being chased by soldiers with swords and you will run out everywhere and you'll have no power to stand before him but then in verse 40 he says but if and at any time during these five cycles this could happen but a lot of times we are so hard-headed we wait until that fifth cycle but he says at any time if they confess their iniquity and and the iniquity of their fathers and the unfaithfulness of which they were to me and how you walked contrary to me, then and that caused me to be then contrary to you, if you will confess that, if you will repent, if your uncircumcised hearts are humbled and you accept the guilt of what you have done, verse 42, then I will remember my covenant that I have made with you my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will remember your land, and I will come and heal you. So at any time, we could do that. And so that is the history of where they are. They've had that fifth cycle. Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed everything, took them into captivity. The land went to nothing. Everything fell down. Everything grew up and now the people are beginning to repent they are wanting to return and that's where Zechariah comes in and these visions that the lord has given him was the first one was as i never did leave you i was always watching the rider on the horse the second one i want you to go back and i have chosen jerusalem i have chosen the temple i've chosen you to be my people So what I want you to do is go back. Don't worry about the wall first. I will be your wall of fire. I am your protection. I am the one who will provide for you. What I want you to do first of all is to resurrect the temple. Bring back worship. Bring back the spiritual nature of the land. I will protect you while you're doing that. But you begin to worship God. And chapter 3 of Zechariah is Satan calling time out. And saying, this can't happen. So if you're there with me in Zechariah 3, it begins with the word and. And so you see, God's saying, I want the temple rebuilt. And I want worship to start. Now, if you've got a temple and you're going to have worship, you've got to have the high priest and the priesthood to be able to be performing the service, right? Especially underneath that Old Testament law that they had. The high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies at one time of year. The other priest had to make the animal sacrifices for the people. And so God's going to have to use people, just like he does today, with us. We are the ambassadors of Christ into this world. But, but Satan calls time out. Why? Because he says, these guys aren't qualified, especially that high priest that you're going to stand up in here. He's not qualified. You see, there's it, it, depend on how you look at it, Zechariah's getting eight or ten visions through here and it all happened in one night all of these is one night that's why it begins with and or then because it's a connective verb. and so you've been under all of this cycle you've been under house arrest so to speak and now God's saying I have I have given the sentence up uh, it's over and I want you to return and I want this to happen but look at what happens in in Zechariah 1 when uh yeah there's Joshua the high priest and here's And as we read this and as we study the rest of this, what I want you to do, this is what I did as I wrote this lesson and as the the Spirit was giving it to me, was putting me, put you in the place of Joshua because this picture, everything was written for our learning and it all applies to us. So put your place, yourself in Joshua's place as we go forward now. So uh, uh, Zechariah is given the vision by the teaching angel and he showed me joshua the high priest now standing before the angel of the lord and satan standing at his right hand to resist him and the lord said unto satan the lord rebuke you o satan even the lord that hath chosen jerusalem rebuke thee is not this a brand that was plucked out of the fire now joshua was standing there before the lord before the throne and at satan at his right hand accusing him clothed with filthy garments as he stood there before the angel now brothers and sisters in christ what we're going to see is a beautiful sight put yourself in joshua's place he's standing there in the courtroom of heaven satan is calling an appeals trial this man is not worthy to lead worship he's not worthy to be the high priest And as a basis of evidence, I bring to him his filthy garments that he's clothed in. You do not wear filthy garments. They were commanded to wash, to put on the new garment as they got ready to go into the service and look at this man. Time out, God, you are not right. And you are not just to allow this man to serve in that capacity before you. Therefore, you have no right to build the temple and and get worship started again so joshua now is brought up before the lord being accused by the prosecutor satan that's at his right hand he's not at his right hand to help him is he no he's there to what does the word of god say at the end of verse one he's there to what yeah to turn him down to resist him you know what the word resist is in in the hebrew language satan it's actually the word for accuser and Satan is not a name, it is a title. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So his name was Lucifer, son of the morning. He had a great royal name, but he fell. And what he does now is he ever lives to make war against God and everything that is of God and all of the people of God. He daily is up there accusing you, I, joshua that's why we can put this uh, us in his place he satan the accuser is at joshua's side to accuse him is what that says he is sataning him and trying to accuse him before god that's the way god is that's the way satan is with everything that's of god he opposes it whether it's man woman whether it's your gender whatever it is satan wants to oppose those things And the word of God says, these are my divine establishments. Now, it it applies to us today. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. It says, I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength and the power of our God and the kingdom of our God. The power of his Christ. For who? The accuser. That's the word Satan. The accuser of our brethren is cast down which tried to satan us tried to accuse us day and night before our god you see that happens with us this is revelation 12 towards the end of time this is the accuser trying to accuse the brethren you and i every day before god i can see him up there now daryl is not worthy you see i put myself in this place Daryl is not worthy to stand up there in front of you. Why are you even letting these doors open? Because he's not worthy. He did A, B, C, X, Y, Z, and that was just in the last hour. Look at his garments. Look at the kind of guy he is. And I'm standing there like Joshua was with all of this stuff upon me with my filthy garments. That's what the accuser does every time, and he tries to do that to you. Do you ever feel like you've been accused, like you're saying, man, I'm not worthy? Man, I just don't i just don't feel like god's with me right now but i'm just not worthy kind no that's not the thing that's the accuser trying to accuse us and putting those voices into our mind and our head and we are not going to allow it i want you to see the beauty of the word of god of what the lord is trying to paint a picture for each one of us here today look at what here's what happened with me just like joshua I am born of the flesh and I have an old sin nature because of that I have in the flesh been descended all the way down from Adam and it says in first Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and verse 22 in Adam all die everyone who is born of the flesh is going to die I have an old sin nature that's been handed down completely then but even so in Christ can all be made alive so the first thing I have to learn is is if I stay in the flesh i'm going to die i am a brand still in the fire as we will see but whenever i come to christ and whenever i give myself to him and i become his child now i become a brand plucked from the fire i will be made alive and then as i continue to learn about this spiritual battle that i'm in i remember that jesus said except a man be born again you can't see the kingdom of god why he said because that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So you must be born again of the water and of the spirit, or otherwise you will not see or be able to enter into the kingdom of God. So then whenever I take a look at that, I look at Romans chapter 3, uh, three and verse 23, and it says all have sinned. Why? Because all were born of flesh at first, weren't we? And all now have that nature to do what is opposite. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And just like Joshua, I am standing there with those garments that have come short of the glory of God. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50, it says, Now I say this to you, my brethren, go ahead and give me that next slide, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so what was I supposed to do? Flesh and blood does not enter in. I got to be born again, not of flesh, but of the Spirit of God. So then, keep me rolling. Yeah, there we go. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Anything that's perishable doesn't inherit that. So then, what happens? So then I learned that Christ died for me, that God so loved the world that he gave his son upon that cross to be my atonement to be my sacrifice so that whenever i am born again of the spirit of god he is faithful and just to be able to forgive me of those things because christ took my place so then i learn in romans chapter 5 and verse 1 it says that i have now been justified by faith in christ and now i have peace with god through my lord jesus christ i have peace with him now the death of Christ and my accepting of that death in my place has now brought me peace with God and from his wrath. And so God no longer, whenever I am in Christ, God no longer looks at me as his enemy. He looks at me as his son. But you know what really floored me? Was what it said before that. Look, look now at verse five or chapter 5 and verse 8 through 10. It says, God loved me this much that while I was still yet a sinner Christ died for me he didn't wait for me to get clean garments he did it for me while I was his enemy look at those next two verses it says that God loved me while I was his enemy and Christ died for me while I was his enemy and if Christ and God loved me that much while I was an enemy when I accept him and his gift of grace, how much more then will he work on my behalf when I am his son? Is that not beautiful? I mean, before we're the enemy of God, so whenever we get disciplined, we're, we're on the other side. But when I am his child, he now disciplines me not with righteousness and justice that has to be served, but now that was served on Christ. And I have claimed that, so now he disciplines me as his son and as his child and not as an enemy of God. Does that not make you want to be on God's side? So now that's how much he loved us. So now when I have learned all of these things about what God has done for me and what my relationship now happens to be, now let's go back to Zechariah 3 with a different mindset. Now, whenever I look, and the angel showed Zechariah, Joshua, and me, standing before the angel of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and and Satan is there at the right hand to Satan us, guess what happens? I love this, the next verse. I would think he'd say, oh boy, you're in trouble now, right? I know who you are, and he's he's accusing you, and yep, you did it. But no, look what verse 2 says the lord said to the accuser satan the lord rebuke you oh boy is right you're starting to see it ray i mean i should not have that kind of grace and i should i'm standing there and what i hear the lord say not to me but to satan i rebuke you satan for even bringing this into trial You have no place in this. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem, and that means I'm going to go ahead and rebuild that city and that temple, is not this one brand, a brand plucked out of the fire. You know what that's saying? Here's what that's saying. That means I used to be in the flesh, the property of the devil. I used to be in the same position as what his future is. I was a brand in the fire. But when I did all of those other things that I accepted Christ, I believed that God sent his son to the cross. I believe that death atoned for mine, and now I have put on Christ and I am in him. So now it is not me that God sees but Christ. So the Lord says, "I rebuke you. You no longer have control over him. He's no longer your property." that brand has been plucked from the fire and you have no right to accuse him because this is a family matter now. This is between the son and me. You have no right in this because he rejected you and accepted me. And he is no longer a brand that is stuck down in the fire. And Satan is trying to say, how can you do that? And he brings now that accusation again, and he's trying to uh, continue to accuse me. But guess what? As we just said, I am no longer his property. Whose property am I? God's. And guess who my attorney is in this courtroom? Jesus Christ. So now let's look at this next slide. Look at—we always go here, but I'm going to go deeper. We're going to go even into chapter two this time of First John first john chapter one and chapter two should be highlighted and opened up on your bible all the time in chapter one and verse three it says this talking about the lord that which we have seen from the beginning and heard we declare unto you that you might also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and his son jesus christ when you rather have fellowship with the father and his son than the devil and the lake of fire we have fellowship with them no longer are you in fellowship and a brand in the fire these things then we want to write to you that your joy might be full you don't have to go around worrying anymore I want you to have joy that is full this then is our message. We, we heard it from Jesus and we declare it to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we, we as the people of God, if we then say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we are lying to ourselves and we're not telling the truth. We're going to find out that, that God loves us and he's did all this but he desires for us to walk with him it's kind of an if then you're going to see everything is an if then with god as he's talking here he said if we walk in darkness and not in the light then we don't do the truth but verse 7 i love the buts of the bible if we walk in the light as he is in the light then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ does what? Just once? What's the word before that? All sin. And the the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And that is in an infinitive type mode, which means it's a continual process. It means that it continually happens as I walk in the light, it continually cleanses me from my sin. It's a continual process. He's continually cleaning me up as I'm walking in the light. If we say that we don't have sin, man, we're deceiving ourselves. Don't deceive yourselves. we got enough problem with the world, with Satan, and people of the world trying to deceive us. We don't need to be deceiving ourselves. So look at it properly. Don't be deceived. Confess your faults. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of those things and to cleanse you from all all unrighteousness so that's why the the lord can be faithful and just when he says i rebuke you satan because those sins were placed upon christ they have already been judged completely and so when we confess those we are cleansed by that blood and we walk into light with him and have fellowship with him now chapter two we don't often go this far but for this lesson we must in chapter 2 and verse 1 he continues writing them it's the same thought process and he says my little children then here's what i want you to know i am writing these things to you so that you don't sin then but if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father that's that's one of the words the other big word is propitiation If any of us sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. It's his righteousness that we put on. The word for advocate is your defense attorney. He is your defense attorney that stands with you. Advocate is Paracletus. It is the one who has been called alongside of me to bear witness in the court of the things that will unconvict me of what those accusations are. And why can he do that? For he, in verse 2, is the propitiation for our sins. That means he is the one who took all of the sins and bore them on himself. And so my sins were placed there, which makes him faithful and just and righteous to be able to forgive, to cleanse, and be my advocate in the court of law when the accuser says, look at his garments. He says, I have an advocate with the Father that bears his evidence of the cross on my behalf. And the Lord can say, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you. We have the propitiation of our sins. And guess what? Not only ours, the whole world. All of the sins of the world have been judged. And that's why the the only thing that stands in the way is, what do you think of Christ? That's why Jesus would say in John chapter 3, He that believeth in the Son hath life. He that believeth not in the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Because Christ settled once and for all the debt of sin. Now it's will you accept it or not. That's the only thing that's involved now. So now, he is my lawyer. He is the one that is called to my side to represent me when those accusations flies. And he gives evidence that stands up in court. So here's what's going to happen. Whenever we go back now to Zechariah 3 and to me, I mean Joshua, in this passage here, when I go back to that, and, it's, and it says that he's being brought by the trial, my attorney stands there and says, No, I don't accept your evidence. I rebuke you, Satan, because I have got more evidence. And Satan's looking at him and he says, What's that? And you know what the Lord does? Same thing he did to Thomas you see my hand you see my side you see my feet i already paid that debt that you're accusing him of on the cross this is the evidence you know i heard someone say that the only man-made thing in heaven just might be the marks that's on our savior that will stand there forever as evidence as to why we are there and he brings that evidence up and he says i rebuke you satan you don't have i plucked him from the fire and those so Satan says, but time out, look at his garments. I have brought him here red-handed. I brought him here, look how sinful he is. I caught him red-handed in sin, and I am bringing him now so that you cannot build the temple. Well, I heard that one other time, didn't you? John chapter 8. I, want, I wanted to go there with us today in John chapter 8 because this is what we're going to be seeing with Joshua, and it's what we see with us whenever we're in that courtroom of heaven. And John 8, It says that they brought to the Lord a lady who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they took her in that very act and they brought him before the Lord and said, The law says that this one that we caught in the very act should be stoned to death. What do you say? And the word of God says that the Lord, he just stooped down. He started writing on the ground. People try to figure out what he wrote. I don't know what he wrote. But I'm going to tell you, it was something that did two things at least. Because when they continued pressuring him, he stood up and said, He who is without sin cast the first stone at this woman. And he bent down again and kept writing. I don't know what, he, what all went on. All I know is, is that their consciences pricked them. And every one of them walked away from the eldest to the youngest and that would have been how you handled the stoning from the oldest starting it to the youngest so that everyone followed suit but everyone left and the next time Jesus looked up he said young lady where are thine accusers is any accusers the name for Satan where are thine accusers is there any left here to accuse you she said no what lord no lord you see she's accepted christ she calls him lord i don't know what he wrote but it caused them to walk away and it called caused her to call him lord and she said no lord there's none left to satan me and he says neither do i but Go now and sin no more. I don't accuse you now either. So that's what happens. This two things are the pictures. Of what happened in real life with Christ. And what happens in the courtroom of heaven. When Satan comes there to accuse the brethren. Day and night. So now when I go back to this. Just like just like this lady. Just like Joshua caught red handed. And he brings him up there. And he. And he says now look at this. Well I'm getting ahead of myself. What, what the Lord's telling us then. Is in Christ. It is Romans 8, one. There is therefore now no what? No condemnation to those who are what? That's right. Once you come into Christ. And you confess those things like we just saw. There is therefore now no condemnation. So when the accuser tries to accuse there's no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus. So now when we go back to Zechariah, we're going to start going from verse 4 now. We've already saw that he was standing there before the angel of the Lord, before the throne of the Lord with Satan at his right hand. He he had filthy garments and he was like a firebrand that had been plucked out of that fire. Now the Lord answered and said to the angels that were standing around him. And he said this. So he's clothed with filthy garments. He's standing before the angel of the Lord. And the, he answered and spoke to those that stood around. That's the other angels. And he said, take away the filthy garments from him. And he said to them, behold. He's, now he's talking to Joshua. He's talking to me and he's talking to you. And he says, behold. Behold pay attention to something get this i have caused i caused thine iniquity to pass from thee and i will clothe you with a new change of garments is that not one of the most beautiful scriptures that you have ever seen in your life you're standing there the accuser accuses he's got you red-handed when for for the dignity of of the house of god i'm not going to say the actual word but when it says that he was clothed in filthy garments the word t-s-o-i soy is like soiled and it means crap excrement i will not use the s word in this house but the word of god is written from the viewpoint of literalness. God doesn't hold something back when he writes his word. He puts it out there like it actually is. And on my own merit. If I was in my own flesh. My garments would be covered with excrement. Stinking excrement. The word actually means by those who know the Hebrew and the languages better than me. It's almost like it's a sprayed. So it's almost like whenever you've ate something really bad and you had a bad diarrhea that's just spraying everywhere and it stinks. And you say, I'm glad you're laughing. I'm glad you're laughing because I was thinking, man, they're going to say, you are disgusting me. <laughs> so I'm glad you're laughing. But this is what the Word of God is actually saying. And if I am standing there on my own merit, that is how I would look. And if I would say, Lord, look at though how righteous I was today. You know, there's another passage in Isaiah that says, "My righteousnesses are as what?" Before Him. Do you know what the word for filthy rags means? <laughs> no. <laughs> good, good answers, but it's even as gross. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's it's a feminine napkin for a woman's cycle. So, that is filled with that. And so, my sins look like diarrhea sprayed all over me. And when I try to say how righteous I am, he says, that's also like filthy rags, is what I see there. God rejected my righteousness that I could try to proclaim, and he's rejected my sin. You know what the only thing he accepts? Jesus' righteousness that was on the cross that comes to me i can't be righteous in his sight i'm a sinner in his sight either way i'm presented to him i look awful without christ i'm still awful and i'm still a brand in the fire and i don't have much of a future but whenever i go to christ how beautiful is this Satan has me red-handed, and the Lord said, I rebuke you. I paid for that already. And he says to those that's standing around the angelic beings underneath of him, he says, take those clothes off of him. He's keeping us, Joshua, like us, we should be keeping a short leash. We should be confessing those things and giving them to him so that he can say, take the garments off and put the new garments on him. Give him news garment. I caused your iniquity. My work on the cross took it away. I caused you to have your iniquity removed. And to be able now to be qualified to have a clean change of raiment. And then Zechariah has to get into the act, man. Zechariah has to put his two cents in. He's, watched, he's been watching this whole vision. And he's seeing what's going on. And I'm sure he was shouting amen whenever the Lord said, I rebuke you, Satan. Let me hear you all say amen one time. I rebuke you, Satan. And Zechariah, now he's getting so wound up. He says, what about the miter? Put the fair miter on his head. You see, he's the high priest. and It's actually his cousin too. Joshua the high priest is actually Zechariah's cousin and he, he's watching and he knows the high priest garments They were for the glory of God. Those garments were beautiful So he's saying put the new garments on and so Zechariah's getting all caught up that yeah The Lord is on our side. He's working. This is going to go through We're going to rebuild that we're going to worship God again in spirit and truth the way it was supposed to be And he says but wait put the fair miter on his head Lord don't let him just have the garment. Put the cap on. Cap was beautiful. That turban. But do you, do you know what was the most beautiful part of that turban? Does anybody remember the gold band that was on it? What was on the gold band? Stamped. Engraved. Holy unto God. The high priest helmet said holy unto God. So what Zechariah is saying, Lord, to us, you and I standing there red-handed, the Lord said, take the clothes off. I've cleansed you now from all of that. I've put on your royal festive garment. And Zechariah says, but also put on the mitre that says, holy unto God. How beautiful is that? Is that not another rebuke to Satan? Not only is God saying, I'm cleansed and qualified, but Satan, you're still a rebellious soul. But this one, who loves my son and has confessed that, is now holy unto God and gets to serve before me where you were kicked out of. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Put the fair mitre on his head that you've closed him now with his garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the other angels did just exactly what he said. But then it's not the Lord protested. That's a a bad translation unto Joshua. What it means is, is he gave him an admonition. That's the word for an admonition. For the Lord's admonition to him. You know you got into this mess. And you got the mess all over you. Because of how you were doing. So he says here's what I want you to do. If Thou will walk in my ways, and you keep my charge. You keep my word, and you walk in my ways. Then you will also judge my house. You will serve in my house. You are worthy and qualified, and you will also keep my courts, and I will give you places to walk among those that are standing by. Who's standing by? The angels, right? I mean, this is a vision of the Lord the throne, and the angelic beings who are clothing him and putting these things on him when the Lord said, so now he is standing. He says, you are mine, and if you continue to walk in my ways, I cleanse you, I put these on, you are holy before me, but keep walking in my way. Don't don't return back to what I drug you out of. Walk in my ways if you will do that. I will not only put you back into service with me and I will bless you with those things, but I will also give you a place to stand and walk among the angels. The angels of the Lord is among us and walking among us as we are in this angelic conflict with the enemy and his that are trying to destroy us. Is this not the most beautiful section of scripture you've ever seen? This is the true playing out of what happens when we are tried to accused before the Lord by Satan. This is played out for real to those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And whenever I saw all of that and I was putting myself in Joshua's place and seeing what the Lord was saying, it was the most precious set of scriptures I have ever seen in my life. Holy unto God you are you are clothed in your garments and i'll let you walk among my angelic beings you will be here as the praise team returns dear souls who are gathered together here to stay this is one of the most marvelous sections of scripture in the word of god and i hope that the holy spirit has allowed it to be presented and understood in a way of how great and glorious this is and what it means for us and i only have a couple of things to say as we close and one is if you have not named jesus christ as your savior if you have not given your life to him and by faith you you've come to him and then you're born again of the water and of the spirit if you have not done that today and obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine whereby you must be saved how could you possibly leave here this day unsaved and not in christ what we just saw played out as the truth and if you don't have christ as your advocate as your lawyer in heaven you stand no chance at all you will stand there in those dirty rags and you will be a brand that's still in the fire how could you walk out of here like that hearing what the lord jesus christ has done for you this day for those of us who have named the lord as our savior those of us who were baptized into christ and those of us who have put on christ how shall we not as he has plucked us out and as he has cleansed us and given us the new garment and placed holy unto god upon our forehead how could we leave here under the charge of he says now if you will walk in my ways and keep my precepts i will continue this blessing for you what we saw in first john one and two what we saw here in zechariah how could we then leave here and say that don't matter i'm going to live the way i want to and i'm going to do what i want to how could we do that as well to a savior who has done all of this for us so my plea is today is if the word of god has been alive and powerful and if it has cut to the discernment of your soul i pray that whichever state that we are in that we will make the decision for christ this day and to walk with him in fellowship and in his light and father this lesson is to your body you painted us the picture of the throne room of heaven and what happens there to those who are in christ jesus how precious that is to see our savior as our advocate standing there presenting the evidence of why we are accepted because we have put on christ we've been born again we've been forgiven and cleansed we've got a new walk in life so father i just pray that this word would become real to us that you would make it real that we can live it and i pray that your help your protection and your wall of fire would be about this congregation about your body as we go and live in this angelic conflict that we are in may we walk in your ways father may this make a difference in our life in jesus name we pray we give you all glory and honor amen